From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest or guests will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guests are influencer, director, and co-writer Curtis David. David Harder, who is also the mind behind Spiral, not the book of Saul, but Spiral about the two men. And then influencer star Cassandra No, who plays CW in the film. Hello and welcome to the show hello hello thanks for having us we're so excited we talked we talked about this on one of our mini episodes about how much we loved this movie and how surprising it is and how it's hard to talk about with anybody (laughs) because of that but yeah we're so excited to have you both here to chat about the the film especially you cassandra sorry curtis but you are incredible in the movie you're like really scary um so congratulations (laughs) on that (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I swear I'm really not scary in real life, like, at all. A little bit. A little bit. Hey, hey, now. You watch. (laughs) 
Well, okay. So can you tell our listeners who might not have seen it yet uh, what Influencer is about? Yeah. So it follows Madison, who's a kind of an influencer on a trip in Thailand. She's kind of portraying it as this this wonderful, magical trip. But deep down, she's having some relationship problems. She's dealing with some loneliness and kind of feeling a little bit ostracized from her kind of community. And then through that meets CW, um, kind of this enigmatic girl who's been kind of living in Thailand and kind of teaches her to put the phone down and starts showing her around, um, showing her kind of the sights. But there's some uh, ulterior motives at play. <laughs> there sure are. And that, so what I what I love about this movie is, is that, uh, well, first of all, I love that there is a basically like almost a 30 minute uh, cold open. Yeah. <laughs> I love movies that do that. That's my favorite thing in movies, like in The Empty Man, when it's like we're watching this entire movie and then pretty soon it's like, boom, there's the the opening credits. So I love that. Um, but I also I what I also really enjoyed about this one is we've we've seen a lot of influencer horror recently, but um, I, a lot of times they're looking down on it. Whereas this I, I feel this movie influencer kind of has a little bit more nuanced approach to their life. I really enjoyed like the opening se- sequence where we're seeing kind of what um, she's filming, but then we also see the widescreen of what is, the audience is not seeing, and it's it's very lonely and very sad. And I was just kind of curious how that idea kind of came to be. Yeah, I think I think in a lot of movies lately where influencers become kind of the focus, it's easy to kind of dismiss and mock them. Um, that is the typical kind of way we go about it. And like I think it's it's easy to judge influencers, but. The, at the end of the day, they are people underneath the kind of the facade that they put online. So a big thing for Tesh and I was just like, we want to kind of play with those expectations um, for all the characters in the film. We we were excited if you judge them when you first meet them and slowly we can kind of pull apart little pieces and make you maybe question why you jump to your certain conclusions. Because the movie is a lot about first impressions and how those can kind of harm you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then so Cassandra, I wanted to hear about like this is your first feature, right? This is your first feature film. Sure is. So, what was that? Ex- like, what was that experience like? Just with that, but then playing a character like CW, like you just jumped in the deep end with the with the feature film debut with this character, and I love that. I really did. I remember when I first read the script, I was like, "How on earth am I gonna do?" This? There was just like so many layers to her. There's so much to her, especially when it comes to like her physicality. I had to learn how to ride a motorcycle. I had to learn how to swim. I didn't even know how to no swim. Way. <laughs> Honestly, that was the scariest day for me. It's just like, you're expecting me to swim, Kurt? Sure, sure. <laughs> you read it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I did it. And yeah, yeah. But there were just like so many things uh, about her to, to discover and like to do, uh, yeah, it was a huge challenge. And I was so stoked because roles like this happen what once in a lifetime for actors. It's literally like an actor's dream. But I remember just being so hungry and like so excited to just like literally dive in into the deep end, as you said. So it was really such an incredible experience. And to go to Thailand, I had never been to Asia. So like that was just a bonus. Oh, cool. I was going to ask what it was like filming in Thailand. Cause that's uh, my, my brother spent time there like a year there and he has shared stories and pictures and it's just, it looks so beautiful. Uh, so I was just curious how, how that was filming there. Yeah, it was so stunning. And uh, I'm sure Kurt's going to talk about this, but it was during COVID. So there wasn't, there wasn't that many tourists there. 
So I feel like oh, wow. the people like were just so ex- happy to see, you know, tourists again, which was really exciting. And I just feel like we got such like special treatment because there was nobody else there, which was just wild. Yeah. I mean, we were supposed to shoot in 2020 and then obviously got pushed back like a year and a half. So it was a bit of a weird, weird kind of transition going from kind of planning to kind of comment and showcase how crazy tourism is over there. And then when we went, it was like kind of this double-edged sword where the script changed in kind of a cool way where it became, it kind of really amplified the isolation and kind of the feelings that Madison's going through. But on, on the positive side, it was just like we the we had access to so many more locations and, and beaches that normally would be very hard to shoot in. So it was it was cool. It was a weird, weird, weird experience that ended up, I think, coming out much more on top than we expected. Hell yeah. Well, and then I, going back to CW, Cassandra, I'm curious, like, how did you, I know, I think I talked hers to you about this when I interviewed for Dread Central about how you built a backstory for her, but it's like all to you, right? Like, is that how you kind of got into her head? You had your own whole story for CW? Yeah, I think that... Yeah, I definitely did a lot of like background work before getting to Thailand on on her and like what she, who she is and why she does the things that she does. But I think what's great about this movie is that it allows the audience to kind of create their own narrative for her instead of like a spoon feeding you like why she does the things that she does. It's kind of cool. Like you get to create your own, your own like, I don't know, imaginary backstory for her, which I thought was really cool. When I first awesome. read this That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, it was cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I also like when I was. Oh, sorry. Go, please go. No, I was just going to add. Like, I, I think Tesh and I kind of really talked about the uh, avoiding the the typical Bond speech and <laughs> with, like leaving leaving clues throughout the script, but not like Cassandra said, not spoon feeding and um, kind of letting the character speak for itself as opposed to kind of a show don't tell sort of scenario. Yeah. Um, so the other the other thing is I was looking on IMDb and I saw that you were that you, Cassandra, were in C, the Apple TV show. Yeah. I'm here. How was that filming that? I just I just have to ask because I'm a I'm a huge fan of of Apple TV stuff and C was really enjoyable. So I'm just curious about that. Oh, my God. C was such an incredible experience. Um, the th- my favorite part about that job was they they trained us. Um like fully blind with a, with a sleep mask on. So I got to do like extensive, like echo, echo location training. And like, yeah, for me, it was the training. Cause also I have a movement in in dance. And so my, my role on C was very much like movement based. And I played Mm -hmm. like a, um, like a warrior type with like hyper senses, which was just like so fucking so uh, yeah, I'm allowed to say fucking so fucking cool. Yeah, you sure are. <laughs> uh, and like, I got to play with weapons and do a lot of like fight choreography, which is something that I feel like I'm a strong suit of mine, definitely from my dance background. Pretty cool. I did get stabbed in the eye at one point though. So that was pretty horrific. Oh no. Like actually, there was a shot where we they needed three heads in the frame and then my scene partner had a knife here to the neck, but it was sticking out a little too far. And then my head had to come into frame here. And I went, because obviously you can't look at oh, no. where going. But hey, I we kept the shot going. It's fine. I was like, hey, I'm stabbed. But other than that, it was sick. <laughs> there you're all yell your faces <laughs> <laughs> are you zero i mean you ha- obviously 
Can you still see it? I mean, like, it was a big the- knife, right? But like my, and it didn't hit, is it the cornea? It hit the white part, yeah. that's called. Oh, okay. But I'm still, like, oh, I yeah, no, that's <laughs> oh, <fine> now. <laughs> my eye was like fully red. I had a ga- like a little bit of a gash oh. in it, but it was fine. No, no uh, further damage was done other than in that one moment. But I can see. <laughs> wow. How do we follow that? How do we follow that up, Terry? <laughs> I know. <laughs> there is no way to follow that. But I am kind of curious, Curtis, because uh, I, uh, as well as directing, you also produce a lot. There's, I've, I'm seeing a lot of like, people kind of circling in your in your like periphery with like Colin Miniham with or you know um with, you did Spiral but then also Z and you produced Harpoon and What Keeps You Live is this like some kind of collective that you guys are part of or how are you just friends how does how did all that kind of come together yeah it's kind of just organically come together in terms of just different filmmakers wanting to support each other um Brandon Christensen who directed Z produced this movie mm-hmm. we just did another shoot that I produced for him um, Rob Grant, who did Harpoon, is an incredibly talented guy, amazing dude. He he co-edited this movie. So it's a, it's kind of just an unofficial thing where we all just kind of support each other and want to help each other make better movies. So it's been really cool. I think like just cultivating very community based in the horror genre. I think it's- Rob Grant was our very first guest on this oh, podcast. Awesome. We love him. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. He's a weirdo. He's so kind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, 100 percent Fake blood is so weird oh, and i love it so much that movie is so i love that up. you've seen it nope like you and 12 other people that movie is Me and Terry watched it. I guess, yeah I've seen we it too. love big blood that movie rules yeah. yeah i just gave that movie a shout out on the last thing i was at people should definitely check it out it's very I fun. Watch it. i haven't seen it oh that it's is cool. so good it's so good no, it's like, Rob, rob's in it he's like the main one of the main oh aspects. shoot yeah. yeah it's really cool yeah but I it is really fun i hear about how the two of you got into horror or if like what your horror relationship is and like Curtis starting with you like how did you kind of get introduced to the horror genre so I did not grow up watching horror movies I okay I mean some of the classics um obviously saw a lot of Kubrick's work and stuff but I really kind of fell in love with the genre when we started producing my first movie as a sole producer was Stillborn that Brandon directed um, oh, okay and me and the other co-producer Chris Ball both kind of had this conversation we're like we do not know this genre we need to get caught up and so every night when we were prepping we'd prep the movie during the day and in the night we'd watch two three kind of horror movies that were kind of classics and watched I don't even know how many movies in the two months leading up to the shoot but just fell in love with the genre through that it was just like wow how, it was cool because as adults we were finally able to we were seeing a lot of these movies that a lot of people see growing up but we saw them as adults and so it was kind of cool discovering all of these kind of classics that we just didn't we knew of them but we just never seen them so from there it kind of spawned into now doing a bunch of horror movies that's so cool so wait so then because you worked on that movie that got you into wanting to like write and direct horror yeah yeah because it was so fucking cool it was really cool and it's like being able to see all these films that we just hadn't it's like you just didn't really it was adjacent see a couple of them but just focusing in and being like i want to watch everything now wow and then cassandra what about you how did you get introduced to horror yeah i was not a horror baby (laughs) okay cool whatsoever um i feel like i had a big gap from from when well i I won't say the title drop yet but (laughs) the thing that we're going to talk about there was a big gap because i watched that and then i had a traumatic young experience happen i'll I'll just tell the story (laughs) 
So I used to dance in this performance troupe and I was really young and uh, we would just perform around town. And there was one day where they wanted us to perform in the hospital. And this was like the fourth floor, like the, the floor that people go to end their life. Um, and there was this older woman, bless her, RIP, probably, definitely. Um, but she had this like audible uh, that she couldn't stop. It was just noise that came out of her. And I was probably like seven years old at the time. And I saw her, we went like this down the hall and we just crossed each other and she would just cross me and go, uh, and I was like, I can't dance. I can't do it. I can't do it. And so that stayed with me. And then this, this show that we're going to talk about stayed with me. And so I just couldn't really do it anymore until I was a teenager. And so I really not a horror girly. I'm a new horror girly. I watched, uh, Pearl this year and X, which mm. I absolutely fell in love with. Like I just, yeah. I'm like, you're so good, so good. I can't wait for Maxine. I'm like so looking forward to that. Mm. But definitely, this is a new world for me, and I'm really excited to explore more of it. As long as there's someone else in the room watching these movies with me, I'm fine. It's chill, it's chill. <laughs> and you never had an experience of making people watch you horror movies at a sleepover or anything. I mean. Yeah, older, but like not really. I remember we watched okay, The cool. Grudge. We watched The Grudge, and then my friend and I, to get over that, we did a, a combo to the Pusquet dolls just to help uh, go to sleep because I was just so terrified. I was like, I need to do something else. So let's dance to some Pussycat dolls. <laughs> I was still scared. And then I was just scared to shower. I don't know. Yeah, there was a gap there. But The Grudge, I do remember watching The Grudge. Terrifying stuff. So I have to ask, did you see The Grudge before this unfortunate situation with the old lady with the... Uh, after, or after. Was that... after. After. After? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like a... That I was like 14 when I watched I, The Grudge. I would have noped out. <laughs> right? Oh my God. I just, I still think about her. Like, I feel bad. Poor old woman. But it was scary. Yeah. Seven, when like you're not really sure what's going on in a hospital like that, and you're kind of just like, I'm here to dance, but then you're, it's, I look, I did Christmas Carol as a Girl Scout in a place like that, and it was always very traumatizing to just be like, this is a very weird, I know, I don't know what's going on, but it feels weird. Yeah. It's like surreal. I, know. I just really, I had to do like a Mary Poppins super califat. I still remember the choreography. I'm doing it right now. Wow. I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't do my super Kala after watching that woman and hearing her doing it. I just can't. I couldn't. Yeah, I cried in the corner. My mom picked me up. Oh. Anyways. Well, I'm I'm curious, do you do you both get scared any as adults watching horror movies? Oh yeah. I'm very verbal. I scream at my TV. And I, I yes. have like this. If I can't hear it, sometimes the sound the soundtracks are scarier than the movies. So yeah. I feel like if I plug my ears, I can watch it. I don't know about you, Kurt. <laughs> uh, not as much. I think it, I I enjoy the the tension. I think that's always fun. You but I'm not screaming. I'm jealous of your screams. <laughs> I, I am too. I am too. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually jealous when people still get scared of movies because like it there have been movies that like will terrify me as an adult, but I've seen so many of them in my entire life that like it's hard to like get me anymore. But when when I meet people that still get scared, I'm just like, I really want to watch horror movies with you because I love I love that thrill and I I just I miss that I don't get it anymore. Climax actually was the last one that like really got me. I think I watched that in the cinema and the the, uh, climax, Gaspar Noe. Um, That movie made me feel like I was high, and I felt like actually someone sitting behind me like spilled their 
Coke and it was like uh, dripping down towards my feet. And I was like, is this the movie or are my feet actually getting wet right now? And I, I had no idea. I was like, <laughs> I feel like I'm on like psychedelics right now. I have no idea what's happening. And I felt uh, weird for like an hour after that movie. It, but it is. It's such a weird movie. And it's like yeah. a visceral experience, especially yeah. that opening seek dance sequence. It's just if you feel like you're high, it's like you're like entranced mm-hmm. to being high. It's so yeah. Good. Whenever I want to feel something, I just watch that on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the dance number? Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's a little Vogue moment. Very it's a little good. Vogue moment. But then, okay. so Curtis, there's another movie though that scared you when you were younger, right? Yeah, that I watched. Really got that, you? I watched Signs as a kid when that came out, and could not sleep for like two months. I was like sleeping out on the couch, um, and my parents were like, "Can you stop sleeping out here?" Um, and I was just like, I couldn't, I, for some reason in my room, I thought aliens were going to come get me. And that's that scene where the birthday party, when the alien pops out, it, that still is like etched into my brain. So it's been, yeah, it's been weird. Still think about it. It's a, it's a good moment that, that kind of found footagey, uh, monster walking in the, in the distance is always, always good for a screen. Yeah. And like, despite how weirdly pro-Catholic that movie is, it's strange rewatching it. Yeah, it's so strange rewatching it because like I saw this when I was I saw that when I was younger, and I did not catch like the god, like the whole God and like getting your faith back theme. I was just terrified of the aliens. So rewatching it, mm. especially with Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson as the dad, <laughs> it's all very, it's all very back strange. To priesthood at the end. Yeah, it's all very bizarre. But that movie, like I saw when I was younger too, and my dad is an ass and decided to tell me that it was a real movie and that the aliens were coming for me and so i didn't sleep because it was both the trailer and the movie because the trailer had that fucking shot of the light like the flashlight in the cornfield and you saw just like that's the one leg go into the corn and that was what terrified me for months as a kid was just like and i can't I can now, but I could not look at cornfields the same. Like I was always terrified of cornfields. I was ex- I was ready for some fucking alien to pop out of the cornfield for years. Like even when I wasn't scared of it anymore, it was still that thought that would creep in and be like, remember that movie? Like what if there's an alien in the cornfield? And I lived like near a rural area. So there was an, a lot of corn exposure. <laughs> so much so, corn exposure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too much corn exposure. Too much corn exposure. But because because have you seen this movie, Cassandra? Signs? No, I haven't. Should I? Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, like, I'm curious if it's a scary. Well, if you get scared easily, it'll be really scary. But just be ready for a very pro cat, a weirdly pro god story. Come on, yeah. Come but aliens. Free. I don't find alien stuff very scary. So if it's, oh, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah elderly people and ghosts. All right, all right. This doesn't have either of those, but it's still a good, scary movie. <laughs> Mel Gibson, young, young Joaquin Phoenix with the baseball bat. He's like the best part of that movie. He really he is. is. Oh, the yeah. other part of that movie that terrifies me is when they put then he has the knife where he's trying to look under the door, mm. and mm-hmm. he sees the and the alien jump like the alien's hand shoots out and he cuts off its fingers. That has not that, aged well, though. Have you absolutely not? Oh, absolutely no, not. That was it, terrifying as a kid. And then I rewatched it as an adult. I was like, I was scared of this. This CGI is brutal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. It is brutal. <laughs> the man, oh, man. Do you like M. Night Shyamalan's work, Curtis? Is that like, are I you do, a yeah. fan of him? His early cool. work. 
yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once the lady in the water and the happenings started happening, I don't know if he just got George Lucas and nobody was telling him that his ideas weren't quite working. <laughs> but yeah. What are his your early, opinions on yeah, the village? What is your opinion on the village? The village, I I actually love it. I think it's Hell really yeah. fun. I, I know it's it definitely split, but it's it's cool that he did so many different things. Like Unbreakable is so great. Six Sense is obviously classic. So it's like all he was just hitting home runs. The Sixth Sense yeah. like changed horror. And yeah. I mean, look, I don't I'm not a huge fan of his new stuff, but I have to give him kudos for trying to swing for the fences, yeah. you know, like and he's getting money to cool. do it. I mean, that's the thing that that he always does, though, is he takes those wild swings. Sometimes it's a miss, yeah. uh, but sometimes it it he hits them out of the out of the ballpark. And I have to say his producing work that he's done, um, as well as directing on Servant, the Apple TV show. Oh, that's is right. Impeccable. I that. It's really good. It's really weird, but it's really good. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break, the playful way you scratch the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be... Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. On that note, Cassandra, we talked about science a little bit, but Cassandra, what movie, what, not not movie, what, what episode of a TV show did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Yikes. Um, so Goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. It came from Under the Sink. I don't know what it was about that stupid sponge, but I couldn't fall asleep forever. I thought it was under my bed. I, I like never cleaned. I never touched sponges. I just, I did clean, but like no sponges. Sponges weren't allowed. There was something about that sponge. There was something about the teeth on that thing that was like spaghetti. I looked at it now. It's not scary at all. But back then I just like could see the eyes in my sleep. It kept me up at night. And I don't understand why, because it's just a sponge. It's a sponge with teeth. I'll read the really quick synopsis for anyone who is not familiar with the incredible Goosebumps television show from from 1996 on. Uh, What looks like a sponge under the kitchen sink is actually an evil creature that thrives on bad luck. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. That's it. So do you you remember how old you were when you saw it? Well, I came out in 96. So I was probably like, well, I don't think I was four. So maybe I was like five or six. When I watched the okay. episode, but, and I don't know why I watched it. I used to sneak out of my room a lot and watch TV by myself. But, um, so probably, and I had an older brother that would just show me uh, what to watch. So, um, uh, that happened. So then I watched that episode, but I rewatched it as an adult and it's still like a, it's a banger, but it's definitely not as scary as I remembered it back then. Nothing ever is, but yeah, no. it's so silly. But uh, it is it is silly. It's but, so silly. But, 
but it is like I, I don't know there's something i think the thing that i think it does really well uh on a site and i'll tell my my relationship with goosebumps in a bit but like watching it as an adult the thing that i think it does really well is make you afraid of things that you can't really see mm-hmm. so like when she's first climbing under the the cabinet in the in the kitchen and she's looking for the kitty and we know that there's something not happy under there but like that kind of tension there or like later on when she's reaching over for her towel and she touches it or it's like crawling under her bed like the idea that there's something that should be pretty benign yeah. is actually like kind of haunting and hunting Absolutely. is uh, I mean it's kind of creepy yeah and I think going back to like sound I think that the sounds that they use and like mm. the the, yeah. the track in the back is also something that they do really really well so if I just would have maybe done this cl- plugged my ears and watched it as a kid it wouldn't be so bad but yeah definitely like very affected by sound so maybe yeah. that also did something to my brain to make me really afraid of sponges I don't know. My mom made me clean a lot too. So maybe there's like a, some sort of Uh, Venn diagram there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's that as well. Definitely some sort of connection to cleaning. I I clean guys, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Over here. I've learned my lesson. I just don't buy sponges. I use other tools. (laughs) Rags. I don't know. But um, Goosebumps was terrifying. And I I think that's the, that's my only memory of a Goosebumps episode. So I think I was just really like turned off by it after that. Okay. Chris, had you seen this before? Had you had like, did you have a relationship with the Goosebumps show at all? I didn't watch it growing up. I don't know if my parents would let us. We we were allowed to watch Signs, but not, I don't know. I think Maybe that has something to do with the Signs. Ah, okay. Parents had a crazy transition there, not anymore, but growing up was very religious. But you just worked with one of the actors from that episode. I did, which was just like, I I had brought it up on set and then, and then two and two came together and she was the little girl, Catherine Isabel. Um, Yeah, I got to, I got to work with her like uh, about a month ago on a new feature, which is really exciting. Um, But it just was just a happy coincidence. Wait, that's so cool. I know. And then that's when I realized that it was her, I had to rewatch the episode. And then I realized, oh, wow, it's really not so bad. Wait, that's so cool, though. I like she's it. Well, I didn't remember that she was in this, which was awesome because I love Ginger Snaps and I love her. And so it was like, oh, wow, she was a baby. But then also you getting to work with her and be like, oh, by the way, you ruined my childhood. Thank you so much. I did tell her that. I told her. Yeah. Well, you had to. I, of course I did. She's lovely. She was so fun, like so much energy, so fun to work with as well. So cool. But yeah, it was it was really funny <laughs> when when we realized that, you know, she did ruin Ooh. my childhood and gave me lots of nightmares. To be fair, it was not her. It was the sponge. She was great. Right. I was on She was the hero. <laughs> she was the hero. She sang to it and she, yeah, glass was always half full. Uh for her in that in that in the end for the episode well yeah. the ending also like i'm working i know i'm like jumping ahead but it's got like a baba duke ending and that you can't get rid thank you <laughs> you can't get rid of the sponge or whatever like it's a little name you're stuck with it forever and you just have to like make it happy and hang out with it forever and it's like you're stuck with it no matter what which i was like oh that's like the baba duke and i was glad i was like wait did goosebumps do the baba duke before the baba duke <laughs> that's another one too that i sad and like a like looking at grief but i'm like wait 
Huh. That's very familiar. <laughs> Give the sponge some compliments and everything's fine. Give it headphones <laughs> and just make it happy. Make it make it happy. But yeah. I I was a goosebumps girl. Like I read the books. I now am like collecting them slowly but surely from like thrift stores and stuff because my parents like got rid of them when I moved and when I was older and stuff. But I love goosebumps. And this was one of the ones that scared me, especially when I can't, I can't fully remember when I saw it for the first time, but I do remember when we moved into our new house, I was fucking terrified that I was going to see red eyes under the sink. Like I definitely (laughs) was worried that I was going to get sponged as I will call it because I had seen it so recently and I was pretty young and it just like, I was convinced it would happen to me. So I get that. It was terrifying, but it wasn't, I wasn't scared of all sponges. Like the yellow ones were fine. Like the regular, but like the ones that you could get for like, that looks like this one. Like it was like a bigger, looks like kind of like a brain. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah. Nope, the sea sponge, right? It's like an actual yeah. sea sponge. Yeah. I yeah, no, so. yeah. 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 It mm-hmm. was alive at one point. That's now that's creepy. That's okay. Yeah. That is creepy. Isn't it? But I, it's. But I'll we'll talk about more goosebumps later. But I was a goosebumps kid. I had so many of them. I was so excited you wanted to bring this because goosebumps was like my absolute favorite thing to read. I was all well, I read. Fair. That was the only thing I saw, so I can't relate too much to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one sponge, I'm out. I'm out. I remember seeing I the book. Like- Done. Too scary for me. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Thank you. I remember seeing the books because um, I grew up French, fully francophone, and my English class I couldn't read them at the time because I couldn't read English but I remember seeing them there and just like never wanting to touch those books ever and they were in well, English the covers like, are scary and the covers are terrifying too like even yeah. though they're written mm. for kids like the covers are what stick into your head because the cover for this one is what also stuck in my head because it is like red eyes under the sink you can it's all you can see but it's even it looks even bigger and even scarier in the cover like it looks mm-hmm. like a big but it looks like a big creature rather than like the tiny little thing that it was yeah yeah just not see i i was a goosebumps uh boy as well (laughs) but like i was like introduced to horror books through goosebumps Mm -hmm. um and it was in fifth grade and my teacher so it would have been 11 and my the books had just or 11 or 11 or 12 i think i think it was 11 and the books had just started coming out like the very first goosebumps came out i think when uh i was like uh, yeah, 1992. So I was 11 when the first book came out and we read it. My teacher had story time. And so in fifth grade, my little British teacher that I mentioned on the show before, Mrs. Michaelscheck, she would read to us from Welcome to the Dead House, the very first book. And then we loved it so much after she was done reading that we moved into another one. And so my introduction kind of to horror literature was through Goosebumps because I didn't know that I had seen movies, I'd seen cartoons, I'd seen all that kind of stuff, but I just didn't realize that people were writing about horror as well until the goosebumps. And so I became like a huge fan of them. Luckily he was like pumping them out constantly. I think like that first year he released like four or five goosebumps books. And it just like, it was always something for me to read and there was always coming out. So like that's, it's kind of what got me into literature honestly is, is these goosebumps books. Shout out to goosebumps. That's amazing. I know. Wow. Did you have access time. to them, the books, Curtis? I mean, like, I know you said your parents were really religious, but did that extend to books too, or was it only was it like just watching stuff? Uh, well, mostly, yeah. I don't know. I never, I didn't read many of the books. I like we also lived in a very Christian town, so it was a bit okay. Of a, 
Like they didn't allow trick or treating there. So it was like, oh, okay. oh wow. So they yeah. wouldn't even have goosebumps like in the library. I don't even think it would be in the library. Yeah. I'm trying oh to remember. Oh my goodness. Where did you grow cool. up? Hey, I thought you were from Calgary. Later, like, but yeah, my early childhood was in this place called Cairnport, Saskatchewan, just outside of Moose Jaw. And so it was like a Bible yeah. college town where it was like, I think half the population was Bible students. Like, wow. so interesting. And it was, yeah. Fascinating. But you know, hey, we how old were you when you left that town? Escaped. We escaped. Yeah, we moved around a bunch later, but I think I was like 12 or 13 when we finally left. So wow. it, was, it was a lot of my early childhood. Yeah. Wow. Bananas. My parents run like a psychedelic company now. So it's it, they've shifted massively. Wait, say that again. <laughs> they they work in like psychedelics now. So it's been a funny transition. Your parents do? Yeah. They went from very like fundamentalist Christians to uh, quite the hippies now. So it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But working with like Health Canada here in Canada. So it's like they're they're doing like above board stuff. So it's been pretty fun. It's amazing. That's the, what a transformation. I want a movie yeah. about your parents. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Whoa. That'd be cool. That's so cool. Whoa. What did you watch as a kid? Like what kind of media did you consume or like content? I hate that I said that. I'm so sorry. Content. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry I said it. Um, a lot, I mean a lot of a lot of films. I think like cool. it was really like middle school when my like love for cinema like really. I mean I always wanted to be a filmmaker, but it was like watching like family movies and Disney stuff as a kid, and then slowly discovering that there's like dark films. Um, not again, not really horror films, but kind of stuff that is like like. I guess Jacob's Ladders in that world would be like the closest thing to horror that I was watching. But a lot of those kind of stuff were any sort of any sort of like cerebral or kind of mind fuckery type of things were like suddenly in middle school, I was like buying DVDs and hiding them because my parents, if they found out, would be like, I'd be in big trouble for owning like R rated movies. But uh, so I had my public collection of DVDs and then I had a very hidden like like another hundred movies like hidden in in different drawers and stuff oh my um, god that out. Uh, yeah whoa so, that's amazing were you into david lynch and stuff and he's thinking of cerebral were you like a david lynch head when yeah, you were younger some of his stuff he's he's a bit of a hit or miss for me i, I remember watching okay. Racerhead and being like i do not understand what the hell is going on in this but <laughs> come to appreciate the craft more with time fair fair yeah but like Kubrick and kind of all those guys are cool. Like, yeah. His work as a kid was like hugely in, in, in per- yeah. What were some of your favorites that you had like smuggled into your house as a kid? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, Fight Club was really cool as a, an edgy young kid. It's like, you're like, oh, of this course, is, this is crazy. Anything, any kind of stuff like that. Seven. Cool. Um, Seven. Uh, Wow, going from being like a fundamentalist Christian background and watching Seven is a much of a very oh, interesting yeah. experience. I mean, I, I yeah, I left like I was a problem child for my family for sure. Um, left Christianity pretty early, um, cool. but wow. yeah, wild. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to detract from goosebumps. I was just like <laughs> no. wild, <laughs> like it's just wild. Okay, what yeah. So one thing, well, I have to like. I'm I'm annoyed and thankful at the same time because I I had probably not watched a Goosebumps in forever and the moment I started playing it it immediately brought me back to being I think I was 14 when like this this show started to air no it would have been it would have been 15 but um and I watched some of it because I had such an affinity for Goosebumps but I'll tell you the moment that that theme song came on and I was watching this last night 
I have been vocalizing that all fucking day because it's been mm-hmm. stuck in my head. I just yeah. go like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It's an iconic opening. Cod with yeah. the dog it really with the is eyes. Iconic. And like the G. Like, man, I, when I was younger, mm-hmm. I wanted to get the G tattoo so bad. I thought it would be so cool if I had the big goosebumps, like the goosebumps, like G tattooed on me. Would you have I still might do it. Now? Oh, sure. Probably so not. We- Probably oh. not. <laughs> wow. You really love goosebumps. I don't know your next tattoo now. Yeah, seriously. I know. I know. God, I Attract fucking love that. The <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, if you did two Gs, that could be Oh my cute. God. Like butterfly wings or a heart. I could make a. Yeah. And you can make it ooze like it does. <laughs> oh my God. Is wow. I'll send that. over a drum. Yeah. <laughs> Look, time to reclaim the tramp stamp. We're just going to go full circle look at the Goosebumps tramp stamp and it'll be absolutely incredible. You're so welcome. No, uh, so the one, the, the one that terrified me the most in Goosebumps as a kid is the one that most people see. It's the mask one that got like, that gets stuck to the girl's face. I think it's called, I can't remember the name. What was the name of it? Why is that ringing? I have that's different. No, I don't have that one. Was it the haunted mask? Yes, the haunted mask. Was it's it like that? it's the green mask with like the big teeth on it, and and she's trying to pull it off of her face and on the cover. And that one is what gave me nightmares for years. Like I have ex- like ex- like very vivid dreams of having that mask stuck on my face and not being able to pull it off and trying to like cut it off of my face when I was like I was like ten or eleven. I think, which is weird because I saw this earlier than that, I thought, but like, I just started having nightmares about it. It really fucking got to me. That is the scariest one I've ever read slash seen. And then the puppet. I hate that fucking puppet. Does the writing and the show, do they live up to each other? Because usually there's always like one that's better than the other, the book or the show or vice versa. I will say that in relation to to this particular one, um, I, I think that the the it's been a long time, but I, I do remember reading this book. I never saw that this episode of TV until just now, but the book is a lot more in depth because it's a little bit longer than 22 minutes can, can tackle. And so there's a lot of things that I think it builds a little bit better in the book where it's like weird things start happening around the house. And then they realize it's the sponge mm-hmm. and it sort of just kind of goes down this line. Whereas it feels very condensed in this episode. I kind of wish sometimes goosebumps did a two parter on the television show. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish they had, dug a little bit deeper into this one because um i like what's in here it just it moves so it moves so fast that i i feel like they they jump over a whole lot of creepy yeah. stuff that they could have put in there it's only i realized that watching it again it's only like 22 minutes or something like that and i was like yeah wow they don't really make shows that are only 22 minutes anymore At least no. i know i guess kids shows probably but yeah, yeah. well and like rl stein is like really i mean he wrote really well for kids like he didn't take he didn't what I loved is he like never made he always put kids in danger like there was never I mean like just shows shows it but like the books even more like he was not afraid of putting kids in danger and he didn't he treats kids as like with more respect and I think a lot of books might treat kids and was into scary and like knew how to make a good scary book without it being too terrifying because then like I then like would read Fear Street after because I went from Goosebumps to Fear Street, which is like R.L. Stein's like teen books that are a little bit more like slasher-y and a little bit grosser and scarier. So like this man wrote my fucking adolescence, which is wild to me when I think about it. But 
he's a really he's really good at writing these kinds of books and taking kids seriously, which I definitely appreciate as someone who wrote a lot of books and didn't like reading books for kids because I didn't think they like thought kids were smart. So definitely the books are better, but that's just because of my soft spot I have for Arl Stein in my heart. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He's really old now. He's really old now. He did an interview we might have to cut this, Terry. Um, we did an interview for Dread Central, and I didn't interview him, but my coworker Josh did. And he said he was some like the most stereotypical, curmudgeonly old man. Like, was not mean, but was just so fucking grouchy. And I was like, you know what? After writing hundreds of books for kids, like your whole life, you're probably a little bit of a grouch. But it was so funny, like editing the interview and being like, this man <laughs> wrote my whole childhood, and he's. So so old now and so grouchy and i don't know why it just makes me laugh he needs to retire yeah i think i think he mostly i know that's my thing i was like my josh said i don't know if he should do interviews anymore i think he might be a little bit like i think he might be too grumpy (laughs) that fucking cracks me up so arl stein king of ya literature is now an old grouch and that's that is his right i think I think so too. It's okay. As long as he's not mean. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't mean. He was just, you know, (laughs) an old man. Yeah. (laughs) An old guy. Mary Beth, you had said, you know, that that he puts kids in danger. And I I think what I appreciated about this episode was that there are moments of like pure danger involving the kids, but then the dog like disappears. I'm like, did they kill the dog? Like, I wasn't expecting that to happen in it. And then like the teacher in the in the in the lab afterwards, when everyone's gone and just turned the sponge, and it seems like the sponge attacks her. I was like, we never see her again. I was like, did she get eaten? What what happened to the teacher? But like, there are moments in this that are just like a horror movie but for kids but it's taking kids seriously and i think i like that because i i, I mean i grew up in the in the 80s like when i was when i was a little kid in elementary school I was in the 80s and there was a lot of content that was for that i consumed that i don't think would probably get made today because it was a little bit darker a little bit more um kids in danger kids in peril that i i feel like a lot of stuff today sort of tries to minimize when it's for kids and I, I i i don't know i i appreciate that this guy and i think that may be why i kind of started reading his work is when i was a kid is that it felt like he was taking us seriously and knowing that we could handle this and it's going to have a happy ending at the end but you know there's like there is going to be trauma and you're going to be okay by the end of the book and I, I i like that i don't i just i don't feel like we get that as much anymore yeah protecting the kids Oh, I don't know. There was a line. I agree. I think that there is well, yeah. content that's a little Put bit too... Put them in danger. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, but then we're all <laughs> going to have a life. Trauma. Like, really Exposed <laughs> to trauma early. Toughen them up to the world. <laughs> sure. I say that as someone who was exposed <laughs> to horror at the age of four and have not known peace ever since. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, when, when you're I seeing Jaws now, at, so. at like six or four for you, or you're seeing Alien at eight, yeah, may, maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> we turned out okay for the most all, part. Feels like yeah. almost, almost functioning adults. Yeah, almost, <laughs> almost there. Um, well, do we want to wrap this up and give it a rating out of five? 
Terry? Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to hit before we wrap up? Well, there's one thing I, I do want to bring up. I love I, I love when something sets up something ridiculous and then pays it off. And I love that we get they get this encyclopedia of of the weird and they're like reading about this creature and they call it a gruel. And then they <laughs> they talk about the lynx, which is a potato vampire. And I love that they bring this up early in the episode. And by the very end, what does she find? The dog comes home and he has a potato in his mouth and it has fangs and it's horrifying. And I'm like, yes, I love little stingers like that. And I just love the idea of a potato vampire. Like, right. I fucking love that so much. I might get that might be my next tattoo. So it won't be as obvious, but it'll be a little vampire potato on my arm. Oh, that's cute. I actually like that. I, I would potato. also watch a series, a spin-off series with Catherine and Isabel's character just finding all the weird little creatures and collecting them in like a little like bestiary, have like a little bestiary of creepy beasties from around the world. I think that would be fun. But also that's what I want. I wanted as a kid to have all these little creepy beasties as pets. So like, maybe that's just me projecting. (laughs) On that note, Terry, you want to wrap up and give a rating? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, that sounds good to me. Hell yeah. So Terry, how many evil sponges out of five do you give? this episode of goosebumps um well i'm gonna cut one of them in half and say 3.5 because okay. i think this is entertaining it's enjoyable i would have i i don't think i saw this particular episode as a kid but i would have loved this as growing up um so and music's iconic Earl Stein's iconic i'm gonna say 3.5 what about you mary beth yeah i'm gonna give it a three doesn't hold up now as adults but you know what what 1996 children's horror program is but i still love remembering how much of this how much of this was my childhood and just loving revisiting these old horror shows for kids and missing the, having horror shows like that for kids i don't know if kids really have that as much right now if i'm wrong someone please correct me and tell me what i can watch that is a goosebumps-esque show airing right now um but yeah, it was awesome to get to revisit this. So I'm so glad you brought it with you, Cassandra. So then I'm going to throw it to you both. Um, you have the final word. What is how many evil sponges out of five do you give? It came from beneath the sink. Uh, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a three point. Can I do a three quarters? Is that a thing? You, sure you can do whatever you want. There's no rule I'm, here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give it a four because it really just okay. me to the bone back then. And I watched it again and. It, it 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 was definitely wasn't as scary, but it was still as entertaining, and that is very important. And shout out to Kelly yeah. as well; she is a queen. She sure is. is. She was good in this too. She was like, so young, like child actor. Sometimes not the greatest, but she was really good in this. No, yeah, a natural. Showed that promise early on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And right. what about you, Curtis? Did you get to watch uh, it? Yeah, because I, I, I hadn't seen this as a kid. So it was kind of fun to watch it through Cassandra's eyes. Uh, it gave <laughs> it some funny context. And obviously, Catherine's really cool. I've run into her over the years. She's also from Vancouver. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, I, I think like a 3.5 solid. It it, it, it was fun. It was the, I loved the, the kind of the effects of the sponge. It was very, very silly. I love mm. the practical awesome. sponge with his like, it just looks like someone like just pushed a bunch of things into it. And we're like, yeah. it's their monster. And I love that. That's endearing to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very it would have been fun that arts and craft day to create that little sponge. How fun. Yes. Cool is it? It fun. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much 
for for joining us and and talking about your movie and talking about uh, this iconic Goosebumps episode. Where can our listeners find you? And the floor is yours. What do you have that you can promote and talk about? Yeah, so Influencer is out now. It's on Shutter, so definitely check it out. I think it's a it's a fun ride. Um, and yeah, we got some more stuff in development. Hopefully, that we can announce soon. Do you have any social media that you can that you're on, Curtis? Trivia. Wait. So social, media. Social, media. social media. <laughs> Oh, social media. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, now go. Trivia. Tell us more besides the fact we grew we up in your trivia. religious background. Yeah, I, I'll give you a, a, a sermon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on social media under Curtis David Harder. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and, and Twitter and the like. Awesome, sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm on social media as well as Cassandra. No, mostly Instagram. You know, I try to tweet. I think I've got, it's really not, it's really not for me. I'm trying, we'll get there, but uh, Instagram for sure. And yeah, influencer, shout out influencer on Shutter. Hope y'all like it. (laughs) It's been crazy. It's been such a uh, wild, wild ride. Just like seeing all the responses and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Be cool to see. So cool. It's an excellent movie. Oh, thanks. Uh. <laughs> so, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with the Goosebumps episode? It came from Beneath the Sink, either the episode or did you read it? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And- <laughs> Sorry, my cat is a fucking menace to society. Um, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. <laughs> Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny Pellegrino with Everything Iconic, and I'm so excited to talk about Hemp's Scrubs and Washes, which complement perfectly their best-selling lotions. The scrub is a luxe clean formula powered by sugar and plant-based oils that gently exfoliates the skin. I love the way this scrub feels on my skin. Plus, the wash is great, too. It's a three-in-one formula. It cleans while keeping the skin moisturized. So elevate your shower routine with Hemp's new body wash and scrubs available at Ulta Beauty and Hemp's, H-E-M-P-Z dot com. Check it out today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. 
ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.